Good morning, Thrive. Amen. Amen. Uh, does everybody know where Pastor Nathan is? Okay, I won't tell on him. Okay. <laughs> I can make some stuff up right here. <laughs> Get him in trouble. No, no. Amen. We bless him and, and uh, pray for him as, as he's not here and, and that he comes back safely and him and his family just great. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, re- Pastor Release Free Church, um, Release Free, when you hear that word, you can think of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And, you know, first he just said, Lazarus, come out or come forth, you know, come, depending on what your translation. And, of course, Lazarus walks out, and it's, I, I, I love how Scripture, you know, is perfectly put together, and you, you can just envision, you know, Lazarus coming out still wrapped in his burial clothes, right? I mean, we picture mummies, right? But the way they did it then, he would have been more like, you know, coming out and, and, you know, feeling like a lot of us that we know we're alive, but sometimes wish we was dead or, or, you know, thinking, I wish I wasn't bound by these circumstances that are affecting me. I feel like I'm in prison and yet they say I'm free and, you know, all this. And then Jesus spoke and said, loose him or unwrap him. And what that means in the Greek is release free that who was once in bondage. And so they took that off and he was, re- he was free then to operate in the power that has rose him from the dead that now lives in you if you are saved. Amen. So he can walk released free and walk out the calling for his life. So we're just going to bring that here a little bit today because when you are released free, then you can thrive. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we're going to be looking in a popular uh, story today in, in Matthew. We're going to go to a few verses and, and it's just going to kind of pack you just together, you know, real nice. But 125 different times, um, Jesus makes what we call imperative statements. And when he makes these statements, one, you know, one of them you think of would be like, love others, right? That he repeats things often to, to ingrain us, you know, because faith cometh in hearing by hearing by the word of God, right? That the more we hear it, that it can be there, and the Lord will bring it to our remembrance so we can use it in our time of need, correct? Amen. So 21 times, though, in all these, okay, he tells us, do not be afraid. Right? And you'll see this a lot throughout scriptures. I mean, when he was on the top of Mount Transfiguration, right? And, and Moses and Elijah was next to him, and Peter, James, and John, you know, went up there with him, and, and they saw the glory of God revealed in Jesus. Then they heard the voice of heaven. They heard the Father say, This is my Son, whom I love, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him only. Right? And the law and the prophets, Elijah and Moses, disappeared and only Jesus remained, well, Peter, you know, after he woke up, was just, just, you know, as dead, and Jesus said, do not be afraid. Amen? So we could take this, do not, you know, be afraid, and, and that's what, kind of what this is it's going to bring about today, you know, because fear is the opposite of faith, and when you are operating in fear, okay, and fear comes in many, many different forms, and and we're conditioned sometimes by TV and, you know, different things that this world has to offer. I mean, one of the worst movies I ever saw uh, when I was growing up, I don't know why my parents let me watch it. And, of course, they're in church. And when I bring this out, 
I, I bring it out that they have matured since then, <laughs> right? But, but it, was a, it was a movie about a guy that had blades on his fingers and stuff, right? And then there was another one where, you know, they start the chainsaw. Well, so you can be in the middle... <laughs> You can be somewhere, and it can be dark, right, alone walking, and there's, there, you're totally safe, but you'll hear a sound, and you'll think, I know behind this wall that there's a chainsaw man, <laughs> right, right? Based on nothing, right, based on the evidence, it's not real, it's not true, he's not there, but, but you can think that, and inside, you get the goosebumps, Right, you know, like you when you used to do when you were kids and you went to the cemetery, right, and, and you were scared as heck on the inside, but you acted cool to your boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever you used with, right? All this stuff. But fear can enter your life and, and stop you from walking out what God really has planned for your life. Well, just a little less than the 21 times where he says, Do not be afraid. The next most is eight times when he says, Love your neighbor. And that's what we're just going to do here today. You know, you're my neighbor, and I'm from Release Free, but we're one. And, and part of that, we get a double blessing, right? A double blessing because we have the, the founder of Gates Community Church, you know, that came to, to make sure that I do Pastor Nathan right. <laughs> you know, and uh, the biggest church in the world, if you count love. Amen? So we're just going to worship together here, and we're just going to see what the, what the Spirit uh, does with this with this today. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Uh-huh. Do you see that? Various times and various ways. Yeah. Can everybody say various ways? various ways? There you go. Just making sure you're awake. See, the first group, they came early. And trust me, they were sleeping. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Various ways, verse 2, <laughs> has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Let's go real quickly to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, and three, 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, normally fears, when it's not seen, scares you, right? But there, faith is a substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that were seen were not made by that which was visible. Amen? And then one of my favorite, see, we're going to go through these fast and time to get James 1, 1 through 8. Half-brother of Christ. You know, growing up with Jesus his whole life, didn't even become a believer until he saw the resurrected king. Amen? I mean, think about that, right? How, how he must have maybe had some jealousy, you know, within him or uh, maybe had a fear that I'll never live up to be as good as Jesus, right? Because he was the great student. He was the great pupil. He was the great son because he was the, the son of God. Yeah. And God the Son, right? So we're seeing this as you grow up, you know, and it's bath time, right? And the only time he ever got scolded, right, is James taking a bath. And, and you know, Mary looks over and says, Jesus, in the water. Okay, bad joke, you didn't catch it. Okay, so. 
They never got scolded like that. Okay, that's just. <laughs> See, before I give you the deep stuff, I got to go shallow there for a minute, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Just keep preaching, brother. Okay. So, James chapter 1, okay? Yeah. It starts off James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face the trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance must finish its work yeah. so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Right. If anyone lacks wisdom, anybody? Yeah. You should ask God who gives generously. Yeah. Oh, generously. Yeah. Overabounding, yeah. never-ending supply. Okay, look that up generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him but when you ask you must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro by the wind that person should not expect to receive anything from the lord such a person is a double-minded unstable in all they do wow right man this is one of the first books I, I memorized, and, and uh, if you, you can beat yourself over the head with this. The book of James, you can just read it, because it's a standard that you're like, man, I can never live up to this, because double-minded is, is I have faith in here, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll pray for one circumstance, and then something else will come along, and I live in fear, I live in doubt, I don't trust, I try to handle it myself, mess things up, and then got to come back over here to let God fix it, yeah. right? But what's awesome about it, Unstable, and that man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And yet, even when you're unexpecting, you receive it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so let's go to our main, main, uh, main verse here. A toss to and fro by the wind. Yeah. Sometimes I mix translations, okay? So... Uh, if, if you have one and I use a different word, it's okay, right? It means to say that tossed to and fro by the, by the waves. I remember I told the story earlier um, that on our honeymoon, my wife, this is my wife here, 22 years, Lynette, and my boys, Samuel and David, amen? <laughs> Save myself. <laughs> we was on our, our honeymoon, and we uh, went to Fort Lauderdale and then to the Bahamas, and at the Bahamas, it was... You know, the, the first day we was there, it was, you know, so windy, big waves and everything else. Next morning we woke up, it was like glass. And we're like, yes. So we go out, we rent a jet ski, and we go out on this jet ski, and we're, we're going. Well, the waves start to get a little bit, you know, bigger. And so this is when I'm having fun. I'm like, yeah, I'm gunning it and hitting those waves going up. And she's behind me hanging on, screaming like, we just got married, and he's going to kill me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just having fun. And, and finally she taps like, oh, I can't take anymore, you know, because and the waves are getting bigger and things are going. So, so I slow down, and, you know, you're sitting on the jet ski, and you're rocking. And, well, just off to the side here, we see the back of something. Right? It, it just comes up, you know, kind of curves, and it was big and gray, and we're like, whoa, like that. So, you know, she's like, let's go. I'm like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I wanted to see what it was. And so I'm looking, and all of a sudden, the wave comes, and our whole jet ski goes, poof. Right? And so underwater, I'm screaming like a girl, ah! Right? <laughs> and so we come back up, and I grab the jet ski. She swims over. I'm holding it. She climbs up and gets on, and you know, and I get on, and because we're both like, it's going to eat me, right? <laughs> you know, we don't even know what it is, but fear crept in. 
We had no evidence that whatever it was was big enough to swallow us, but we heard the stories. We saw it on TV, and we thought we heard, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, right? <laughs> right? We just knew he was going to die based on nothing. But fear took over, right? Based on nothing. Fear can creep in. So let's just, let's just see what, you know, it's, it's just not me, I promise. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22, 33. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. See, he said, already, you're going to go meet me on the other side. They should have known they was going to be okay. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. So we, we, we hear this story and we think, wow, there's so many you know, different ways that we can think about it and see it. I mean, just miracle after miracle after miracle right here. And we think, how crazy was Peter? Right? I know you love Pastor Nathan. But if you're on a boat with him, okay, or, or if you're on a boat and you see Pastor Nathan walking on water, and he says, hey, come, trust me, you can do it too, come on. Don't say it because he might be listening, but I know you're going to say, you're crazy. I've been water skiing, I've been jet skiing, I've been, I, there's no way we can walk on water, right? You're just, you're just not going to do it. So how crazy is Peter? Why did Peter think, for one, that Jesus, who he left on the shore, now he, he first thought he was a ghost. Now Jesus is telling him to come, and he, he, he steps out you know, to come. You know Peter who doubts, right? Peter who says one thing and does another, right? Yeah. Peter who says, man, I am really strong until the pressure comes, and then I'm not, right? This up and down Peter stepped out. Where did he get this faith, right? Do you have the way-walking faith? Where did he get this faith from? Well, let's just look about that, and it'll help you understand a little bit that in the, in the Jewish education system, right, and I have a friend from Oklahoma, and I'm from Kansas, so we passed through, and I just know long enough that, that in Oklahoma, that's how they say education, right? <laughs> so in their education, if you're from Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma um, I got that from uh, pastor here, so <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, all your fault. All right, 
that in their education system, the Jewish education system still today, okay, and back then, every boy, okay, every child had a rabbi that they was taught by. Okay? And they started out, and anywhere I think we're going to, yeah, from 6 to 10 years old, Betsafer, okay, was their kindergarten, okay, that they would start, you know, at 6 years old, and they would go up to, to 10 years old in, this, in this, this class with a rabbi. Okay? It was such an honor to be taught by a rabbi. You could tell the rabbi would walk through town, he dressed a certain way, everybody respected him and loved his children to be taught by him and everything else. So 6 to 10 years old, they would be, be taught by the rabbi. And think about your kids, maybe now or, or when they was growing up, but these kids had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized word for word by the time they were 10. Now, that's pretty good, right? I mean, that's going to that's gonna build some faith, right? When, when you have it memorized word for word, then you got it stored so the Holy Spirit can bring it to you and remember it's in times of trouble, right? So this was from 6 to 10. Right, and after when they, you know, they completed that tenth year, the rabbi would tell them, "Say, okay, you four are 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 safe. The rest of you, man, I know you love the Lord. You have a zeal for the Lord. You've yeah. you've been a great student. I, I I know you're, but but you just not don't have what it takes to go to the next stage. So I want to send you home and be about your father's business. Yeah. You've heard that before in scripture, right?" Be about your father's business. Jesus once said, hey, I was about my father's business, right? And he didn't get disciplined. Okay, so <laughs> the second stage they would go through after that, the, the chosen few, the rabbi would take on to the second stage, Bet Talmud, 10 to 14 years old. And by this time, they would have the whole Old Testament memorized from Genesis to Malachi, yeah. word for <laughs> word. That's pretty impressive, right? You could ask them, what's the middle word? And they would tell you. They, they just had it memorized word for word, right? How many scriptures you got? Don't feel bad because, no, I, don't, I haven't met a pastor yet. Now, I know two, two people, okay? And it's the wife of my, one of my mentor's sons. Her and her sister have Genesis to Revelation memorized word for word. And they could stand up here, and you could, anywhere in the Bible, open up, start reading just one or two words, and they'll finish it. Now, sometimes they'll say, you need to clarify, because that's listed in, in Genesis, Exodus, you know, and they'll give you four or five different books, and you'll say, okay, so you lead, read a little more, and they'll just start off quoting it. But they sometimes tag team it, and they'll start, it takes, you know, a couple hours, but, but one will start, and when she needs a drink, she'll stop, and they'll start off, she'll do a few more books, I'll take, and then it, it's awesome to hear. What how powerful is that when you hear it? Like, whoa, the spoken word has power, yeah. right? Because the spoken word is the word, and the word is Jesus, yeah. right? In the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, and all things were created in him, through him, by him, and for him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So 10 to 14 years old, they had this memorized. And once again, the rabbi would make the cuts. He would say, you five are safe. The rest of you, man, I love you. You've been doing great. You made your parents proud. I'm proud of you. You've memorized this word. You've done great. But I, you, you need to go home and be about your father's business. The rest of you would graduate to the next stage, the Bet Midrash, where the rabbi would say, you are the best of the best. Come, follow me. Heard that before, right? Yeah. 
right? Yeah. So this rabbi would say, come follow me and these students, Whew. right? I mean, most of us are, your head gets so big, right? Pride well up Whew. because you knew your mama and daddy were going to be proud, right? You just, it's going to be great. They would just start following the rabbi. And so it came about a saying, right, that this rabbi, they would, they would follow him. Do, they would walk like him, talk like him, do things he did, eat things he did, so much that the family, when they would come and say, Mom, I got picked, I got picked, they would say, go and be covered by the dust of your rabbi. They would follow him so close that whatever that rabbi walked in, they would be covered with. Right? And can, that's a visualization for us to see how they mimicked what their rabbi did. And so, okay, now we know that Peter, James, John, the rest of the disciples were trained in this education system. And yet, when Jesus finds them the first time, they were fishing and not in school. So guess what happened to them? They got cut and was told to go home and be about their father's business. And so that's why they were fishermen. That's why, you know, they, they were tax collectors. That's why there are all these different things other than a rabbi. But then the greatest rabbi of all time, Jesus, comes a-walking. And he says, come, uh, follow me. And they laugh. They followed Jesus because he was the greatest rabbi of all time. He went through the same and he never got cut. So much so when he was young, he was teaching the teachers in such a way that they would be founded and said, what is this boy, right? We tried to kill him when he was young and it didn't work. We've been seeking for him ever since. Now he stands before us speaking the truth and we can't do nothing about it. (laughs) So this greatest rabbi of all time calls him. And they follow. Peter answered that call when the rabbi said, come follow me. Okay. And he was there and he's like, yes, I find Woo, The other one was bad. He didn't know like, how good I was, right? He picked me. I'm a chosen. Yes, I knew I had it, right? So the same Peter, and we know his ups and downs and everything, but right here. Verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, two different times a sea is going to be described. And two different times, there's two different words used. So anytime that happens, when it's the same scene, but two different words are describing that scene, you want to look at it. There's some importance there for some reason. So, So we look at it, it is contrary means to be opposite, hostile, or opposed, right? So the wind was that way. And if anybody has ever been on a, you know, on a boat and been out, whether, you know, some big ships you hardly, hardly notice, but if you've been out fishing and, and you think, oh, that's pretty far off, and it's like two cast laters, you look up and it's there, right? If you're at home, it takes forever for the storm to come, right? <laughs> but when you're on the sea, it just shows up really fast. You're like, whoa, I had to get here so fast. And then you're stuck. And you're like, I'm headed back. And then you hear your wife, I told you we should have left 30 minutes ago, right? So you go, and the. <laughs> Not that that ever happened. <laughs> it did all the time. Okay, and the waves will come up, and it's rough, and, and it's kind of come over the side, and you're thinking, I hope this just, you know, stays together, that I don't drown, right? You know, and you're holding on, and you look back, nope, she's still there, right? And so, you know, you can get scared, and you know, all this kind of stuff that, that that's how they did, but these are professional fishermen, yeah. and yet they're still scared. 
So what was coming against them? Okay? We could think back to the story of, of Elijah. When Elijah had a school of prophets. He was a rabbi, okay, prophet, teaching others, and they grew him so much, and they said, hey, let's build a bigger place, everything. So one of them went and borrowed an axe. Remember the story? He goes out, and he's topping stuff down, and he's going, and he goes back, and whoof, there goes the axe head. And, <laughs> and you know, before his left, his mama said, you better fix that, right? So don't come out, right? But he did, and it's also, poof, it falls inside the river. And he's like, oh, no, I skipped those swimming lessons. Right? How am I gonna how am I gonna get that? So Elijah shows up and says, Where did it go? And he said, Right, so he took a stick, right? And he threw it over, and the stick hit where the axe head was. And then this heavy metal iron that doesn't float, okay, came to the top. And what this didn't come to the top. Me and my brother used to go down to the river, man, you know, and he was a lot better shot than I was, right? He'd have a 22, right? And I'd throw out a, a can and it'd go down Arkansas River really fast. And he'd, he'd, do, bing, he'd hit that thing and I'm like, okay. He'd throw one out. Chick, chick, boom, boom. Like, I told you I could get it, but, right? But if I had the 22, sometimes I missed a few times, right? But then I was like, boom, finally got it, right? But see, that, that's what happens to something when it floats that it's pushed. Why, whatever current, whatever society, whatever everything out there says is true, it pushes against what you believe. They're saying what you believe is false, even though you know it's true. It pushes against you. It opposes you. It is contrary to you. And that is what is what's happening here. But what's awesome about that, the word sup, S-U-P, and above you, two little dots, okay, means to float and then go against the current. So it came up and went over to the bank where he was standing where it says he just reached down and grabbed it. So no matter what society is doing, no matter where the flow was going, God can put you right where you're supposed to be. Redeem you so you don't continue to go down the wrong path. That was a little extra. First group didn't get that one. So <laughs> okay, the wind was contrary. Verse 25, so keep that contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, now if you was in the military, thank you for your service, okay, or that uh, work night shift, but, but here the, the, it was on the fourth watch. In the, in the, in the nighttime, it, in a 12-hour period, they had, you know, divided up into three-hour spans, four watches, and this is on the fourth watch between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., where everybody knows, because I know you've heard the expression, the darkest point at night always comes before dawn. It's always darkest before the dawn, right? It's always darkest before the sun rises. Yeah. So at the darkest time of night, in the darkest time of their lives, they're on this boat, they're scared, and everything else, they see it goes. Jesus shows up. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, deceived by their sight. Influenced, maybe, maybe by uh, the guy that was possessed with a legion. Maybe by all the stories that they had been told around the campfire. Maybe, you know, whatever it is, they were influenced enough to say, that's a ghost, right? And I could just see, you know, Peter grabbing a couple and pulling him in front, like, don't worry, I got your back, <laughs> right? That, that there's a ghost, out there. 
deceived by their sight. <laughs> and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Once again, he shows up, he says, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered once again, okay, same thing in Mount Church Transfiguration. He was asleep in one part of the gospel, then he woke up and all this stuff happened. And it says he answered. Nobody asked him a question. But here Peter answered. How a boldness about him. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, see, maybe a little bit of doubt there. He was just a ghost. But okay, if it is you, because your voice sounds familiar, you're coming to me in, in a different way. Remember the verse first speaks to us in various ways. You're, you're speaking to me in a different way. I'm used to seeing you all dressed you know, nice and, and with us, and now you're walking on water. Never seen that before, Jesus, by you or anybody else, right? But it sounds like you. So it's, if, if it is you, bid me to come, because you're my rabbi. Because I know I can trust you. I know that if you're a rabbi, you do not lie. And if you're a prophet, as some say, I know you don't lie because they kill prophets that lie. So you're my rabbi, I trust you, your voice sounds from here. If you say I can do it, I can because you're doing it, and that's what you taught me. So we see how this system comes up, okay? They call it education now. Today we call it church, okay? That's what you're here today, getting his word in you. Yeah. So when he says for you to do something, you will believe that you can do it because he says so, amen? Yeah. All right, so Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. What a simple command. Come. I got two fat dogs at home. I say, come, treat. <laughs> right? They know. They, that response is built in. They, they don't understand English well, but they understand, come. Come. <laughs> right? Simple command, because they know when I say, come, good stuff is happening. So I don't know where you're at in your faith. Be a Labrador. <laughs> right? Come. So he comes. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. Oh, now, come on. Jesus, I don't know any of you personally, a few of you. Has Jesus done miracles in your life? Then if so, okay, if that power has worked in your life, not just in salvation, greatest miracle of all time, Taking the dead to life. For everlasting. No more condemnation. Oh. To be transformed in a process that is going to be complete when you're in heaven. When he says, your sins and your lawless deeds, I remember no more. If that has happened in your life, and if other miracles have happened in your life, why are you knocked off course so easy when a bill is due? When, when you or someone you love is, is sick. That's personal. I know. And we're all guilty of it at some time or another. I shared this earlier. I'll share it again. That my son right over here, David. Every time I tell it, man. See, the flesh will remember how I felt that day, even though the joy is there. Right? But 
but he was diagnosed with scoliosis. Okay, and my wife was there. She called me, you know, crying and, and said, man, he has a 17-degree curve in the spine, and at the top it's twisted all the way, just, just twisted. And I'm thinking, you know, bawling like a baby here, but on the phone, saying, listen, we know the God we serve, the great, he's called the great physician for a reason. Yeah. Right? And, and so no matter what these physicians here say that, you know, we know of, aren't Jesus. Okay, and they got, they got the x-ray to prove it because it popped up on the screen and she said, I saw it. I said, we're going to believe. And so that following Sunday, we called him up and, and the elders and, and Chaplain Billy came and, and laid hands on him and we prayed and what was cool about it, you know, uh, we, we've taken him to Disney World and stuff a few times. They love roller coaster, right? And at the end, after we prayed, uh, Chaplain says, David, what, what did you feel? And he said, I don't know. It feels like a, a roller coaster going up and down. It's on my body, right? And, and so we're like, whew, you know, and, and we just believe right there. No matter what, we're just going to believe and everything else. And so they, they sent us to, uh, was it Shriner? Or, I'm sorry? I think it was Shriners. That's why I said first period. <laughs> so they, period. <laughs> they sent us to Shriners. And, they were, they, you know, and my wife's a physical therapist, so right away they, she knew of all the surgeries and all the therapy and everything that he would need in the future, you know, money-wise, pain-wise, everything he'd have to go through. And she was telling me all this, you know, before, and we're just praying. And, and you know, as a parent and maybe as a husband, and, you know, you've been to where, like, Lord, just, just put it on me, not them. Right? I love them so much. I hate what they have so much. Put it on me so they can be saved. And see, that's not your thought. That is your DNA that brings up what God thought when you was lost in your sin. And he says, you know what? That separates us. But I'm going to do something that doesn't separate us. That I'm going to become sin for you. That I'm going to take what you deserve upon me so you can be delivered, healed, and whole. Amen? So we see this. They're saying, and so we get up to there, and the doctor, he about, you know, had him take his shirt off and stretch and touch his toes and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, he's the type of kid, he takes take his thumb and touch here, right, and do this all weird. I mean, he's super flexible and bendable, right? right? And so the doctors have him do all this. They're going, wow, okay. And I said, well, let's go get the x-rays. So they took us into this room to get his x-ray, and it's pretty cool, you know, there that they give you this huge thing. You know, at the, the little hospital, they give us this thing, and, you know, I'm thinking, well, at least it's protecting my heart. Right? And it's not really made for fat people either, you know, because the belly's still out there. So anyway, but they got this huge one that they put on you, whoo, and it weighs, and, and I'm telling you, I was like, Iron Man, Iron Man, right? You just feel this way that you're protected. And so they did the, they did the x-ray. We went in the room, and they, they was waiting, or we was waiting, and we was waiting on the results, and the doctor came in and says, well, it must have been a misdiagnosis, I guess, because, uh, poof. This x-ray shows a perfectly straight, uncurved spine. Amen? <laughs> and, then, and then it's like, ding, he got mail. He, he was able to look at the, the, the original x-rays, and he's like, well, must be a miracle. And just left. He couldn't handle it, and we couldn't hit it. <laughs> Right? We're bawling. We're walking out. People are probably thinking, you know, something bad must happen. No. We're, flesh didn't know how to handle so much joy. And we get in the car and David's like, can we go get some chicken nuggets or something? And, <laughs> and we're like, do you not know what just happened? He goes, yeah, I'm healed. Amen. <laughs> right? 
This is the God we serve. Peter knew him. We know him as Jesus, the Messiah. Peter knew him at the time as the rabbi, teacher. In Scripture, you see this. He'll say, teacher, teach us. Rabbi, teach us. Right? Okay, so, 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 so this is it. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous. Okay, once again, the wind. See, the, the condition hadn't changed. It was contrary against him. And I, we talked about that definition. Right? But this was boisterous. He looked around, conditions the same, but a different word. The wind is still blowing, the boat is still shaking, the waves are still big, but boisterous. And he steps out and he's walking on water. Me, I would have been like, hey, hey look at this, yeah. I would have turned around and moonwalked to Jesus, <laughs> right? I mean, I would, yeah, look at me, look what I'm doing, right? Believe it or not, I'm walking on water, right? <laughs> I mean, I would have been so happy. But he, he's going, and he says he's going towards him. I don't know how far it was, but he was going towards. He'd walk in and like, ha, ha. oh, wait, the storm is still here. And see, he didn't lose faith in Jesus because Jesus wasn't sinking. Right? Boisterous. Okay? And don't raise your hand because I know it's going to be the first time a lot of you heard it. When I heard it, see, all pastors are taught, anointed, gifted, taught by the same teacher, the greatest rabbi of all time, Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, through the Holy Spirit, okay? Boisterous means mighty, powerful, and I love this word, vehement. Makes me think of the behemoth, right? Vehement and sure. And if you like churros like I do, evidence, it'll help you remember this, okay? It's churros or churros in the Greek, churros. okay? This is what it means for the believer, okay? And if you want to look up Google, it's number 2478, right? And I, I, I just mean, okay? For the believer, it means... It's God's power standing by, ready to unleash itself to bring about His preferred will in your life through faith. What? Wait, wait, wait a second. First, it was contrary, and it created fear. And now what He was focused on and seeing is the result of when the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who created the water, who created the earth, demonstrating His power. You know, when He shows up, He shakes things up. So he shows up, and when he shows up, the reason why the conditions were changed, the word was changed, is because now the power that he needs was waiting for him to operate. And at first he was operating in that faith to walk on water. But he was seeing the result of that, of that power showing up. And what does it do? One more time. Okay? Boisterous. The wind was boisterous. The wind had a purpose to do what? Okay? This is, this is Holy Spirit. This is God's Word. Standing by and ready to unleash itself to bring about His preferred, and that His is capital, His preferred will in your life through faith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once that happened, okay, 
He was afraid. Keep that in contact. He was afraid. Burning bush, Moses was afraid. Mount Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were afraid. When they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, and they say, we're looking for Jesus, and I know we're summarizing, and he says, I am. They came with swords and shields and okay, to kill him if they needed to, but to arrest him and to take him any by any means. They dropped those and they fell down as dead because he declared who he was, I am. And here, right here, you can look it up. When he, he said, Jesus, is it for you? Bid me to come. I am. <laughs> Creation said, whoa. Because the power of God is getting ready to operate in Peter's life. And get this. Get, I hope you get this. He was afraid and being, beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. See, listen, I know, man, I've been taught this. I heard it, and I understand when people say, when they say they took his eyes off Jesus. When Jesus reached out to save him, he didn't say, you took your eyes off me. What does he say? What does he say? <laughs> oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt and when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, this story, Peter being the main character here, besides Jesus, thought he had enough faith to step out of the boat. And he was walking on water, and that should have increased his faith, where he might have ran to Jesus. Just like the second time, you know, first time he called, called Peter, okay, another, another story, he ended in a boat. That's what fishermen do. After, he, you know, he was uh, killed on the cross, crucified on the cross, and, and buried, and he was waiting for his resurrection, and, and, and he's out fishing. The okay, first time he was afraid of Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy. When the resurrected king called him the second time, he jumped out of the boat and swam to Jesus. That's what he should have done right there when he's walking on water. He said, right? He should have ran out and tackled him. Right? <laughs> but the opposite happened. See, he didn't lose faith in Jesus because Jesus wasn't sinking. He walked all that way out there. He lost faith in his belief that he could do what Jesus told him he could do. And that created fear and stopped him from fulfilling what Jesus said he could already do. See, there's a plan for your life that God has already set. And he has given you everything you need for life and godliness to do it. He says, I've already prepared these things for you to do. Not to, to earn your salvation, but because of your salvation, my grace is going to empower you to walk that out. And then you will be doing what he's already designed for you to do. It didn't surprise Jesus that, that Peter said, you know, hey, if it's you, tell me. He knew that was going to happen. <laughs> then those who were in the boat, and I love that. 
this probably don't get preached on enough right here, the end of it, than those who were in the boat. We know Peter. He's doing what he's always done. Lots of faith, no faith. Lots of faith, no faith. Strong and bold and chicken. Right? Jesus, I will never deny you. Jesus, I will go. Man, let's go. Man, I got my sword. Right? I know I'm a fisherman, but I got my sword. Right? I will defend you. King of kings, Lord of lords, creator of all the... I will defend you because you need protection. Think about that. He says, you will deny me three times. No. No way. No way. I know me. Jesus arrested. Aren't you that Peter guy? Nope. Second time. Aren't you that Peter guy that was with Jesus? Third time, aren't you that guy, the disciple of Jesus? Aren't you Peter? I've already told you, blankety, blank, 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 blank. It says with cursing and swearing, he denied Jesus. But right before that, Jesus said, hey, you're going to do this. But then you're going to be restored. The forgiveness was already given because he knows past, present, and future. He's not caught off guard by fear. He's not caught off guard by darkness. He's not caught off guard by the situation that you're perceiving because you're using your five sentences. He is not ever caught off guard. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows that your sin was going to lead you to hell. That's why he went to the cross. He knows that your sin was going to keep you dead. That's why his power rose him up. To come alive again and then ascend into heaven to do something you couldn't do on your own that he had to do for you as a loving father to his children. Oh, but listen, we know this, Peter. But those who were in the boat, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he sat in the boat. He observed. He stayed in the boat. Others were wondering what was going to do, who was going to be the disciple, who was going to betray Jesus. And John put his head against his chest. And he heard the heartbeat. And I know it's movie, theatrical stuff, but we can think that when he heard there, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he could feel him breathe. Numa in the Greek, breath. You can track back down to the Old Testament. It means also breath, wind. Wind, when, it, when, it, when God shows up, the wind, whoo, and the waves stir. You take it as fear, and he's just saying, look at my power. I control this. And that's why when he got to the boat and another train, he just, whoosh, calm seas. See, peace isn't doesn't mean the absence of danger, but peace means the presence of the Lord. And in the midst of your storm, you can be like a Peter, or you can be like a John that was in the boat, taking it all in and saying, no, if that's Jesus, I know I'm going to be okay because he said so. I know all of us at times can be both. And knowing this, that's why there's so many characters that we can see, and you can come on up, that we can see the, the, 
the, the wrestling with the flesh, the battle between the flesh and the spirit that goes on, right? And that's why all these examples are, are there. If you can believe God, if you have believed God, and if you can believe God today for your salvation, the greatest miracle, the greatest power, the greatest fulfillment of Scripture. You know, there's only two chapters in Genesis and Exodus. And then it's mentioned a few times where it's focused on creation. Science today and atheists and everybody else will focus a ton on creation, but there's only two chapters in the whole thing that talks about creation. The rest of it talks about redemption, your story, your faith, and what He's done for you. And so if you can believe God for that salvation and know that you're saved, then know that same power that will raise you from the grave if you die or if you're alive and remain when he comes back, that that same power is not just to promise you a good hope and a good future. It says as he is in heaven, so are you on this earth and he wants to empower you right now to thrive in this world. No matter how dark the news is getting, no matter what they may be thinking out there, no matter how much they doubt and they're worshiping all these false gods, that you can be safe and secure and empowered and you can thrive and live in victory because you have been released free. Everybody please stand. Because today we know this hope. This isn't just a story where you can say, man, that was cool, right? This is something that's the Word of God that has come to you and it wants to empower you in your life right now. He's already changed the situation. And once you let Him speak in your heart to your mind, you know, and that science has already proven that you can study, 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 and your heart or your mind, you cannot teach your heart anything. But because there's no signal that goes from your brain to your heart, but there's a one-way passage that goes from your heart to your brain. And so the Holy Spirit's going to work there and tell you, they meant what you heard. And so you can take the power that I've given you to operate in your life. Don't just be saved. Be victorious right now as you are, as he is in heaven. So you are right now. Walk and live out that victory. And I don't know what you're facing here today. I know there's some with finance problems. I know there's some that, that are worried about jobs, about the economy, the stock market. I also know that there's some that, that, that it's so deep. But there's forgiveness. Amen. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, he wants you to have that way of walking faith and to walk out the victory in your life. So as they lead worship to close us out, and the prayer team is going to come up. I'll be up here. Chaplain will be here. Pastor, you might catch him as he's walking out. But if you need prayer, receive the same thing today that the whole boat experienced in the midst of their storm. Peace.